Welcome to Talk About. On Talk About, our goal is to sit down with open-minded people for open and honest discussion. No judgment, no hidden agenda, just getting the conversation started. This week, we're joined by professional piano instructor, Josie Zoko. Listen in as we discuss some of the differences between living in Canada and the US, what led her to develop a business from her passion, and the power of encouraging an inquisitive nature in children. Sit back and enjoy the show. Cheers. Cheers to you. What have you got there? So I'm finishing up a little bit of coffee from a uh, amazing little local uh, place called uh, DeMello. Uh, oh, just, I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's outstanding. We ended up going up to a cottage last year and we found this little shop uh, just, just down the street. It was nice. And they had this coffee DeMello and I'm like, oh, let's give it a shot. I was like, man, this is really good. So it's uh, a roastery? Yeah. Yeah. So they okay. have a, they think it's, there's one downtown Toronto. Um, and then I think they have one out in the West end as well. Nice. So, is it like a, what are you drinking? Like a single origin or a blend? It's a single origin. From yeah. where? It's, I believe that this one here, because we ended up, we've tried six of their different kinds. And then this one here was like a, a four pound bag of coffee, just as a staple. Yeah. I think it might be, I think it might be Colombian because cat tends to like the Colombians are a little bit uh, like a more of a neutral. Yeah. Less acidic. That's right. Yeah. 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 I found that I can't do the acidic, uh -huh. the, the acidic uh -huh. ones. Uh -huh. Yeah. It's just a little bit too much for me. For sure. So just going through all of theirs uh, and trying it out. And you've got kombucha, which is actually the same color as my glass. Oh, it looks yeah. like, it's, like it's a red. So it's, it's a guava, which is, by the way, the best flavor oh. <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm gonna have to try that one. I, we bought a couple of those that brand the the other day. Mm -hmm. um, and I really, I really liked it. There was one that had, there was one that had uh, like spir spirulina and mm. and stuff in it, and mm -hmm. that that tastes really earthy and really yeah. mossy. Wait, is that the green one? That is the green one. Yeah, I've had yeah. that one before for sure. Yeah. yeah, it's a very interesting flavor. Mm -hmm. Not one that people I don't think would run to the store to taste, but no, but it like tastes like health. So it's like, well, you know, that's exactly it. it. Be good for me. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I like to, you know, I, I fake myself into believing all sorts of things are good for me. So, oh, yeah. you know, any, any, oh, that donut, that donut looks pretty damn healthy to me. Oh, yeah. like, oh, we need yeah. complex carbs for energy. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> carbs or whatever. Yeah. yeah. No, wh whichever words, whatever buzzwords we need to come up with to convince ourselves that it's okay to eat it. Yeah, totally. Uh, Even kombucha, it's like, well, uh, you know, I've seen some peer reviewed studies that you know, actually say it's good for stuff, but then there's like a lot of anecdotal things. So, yeah. you know, it's yeah. delicious and it um, scratches that like uh, carbonated sweet beverage itch without it being a pop. So, yes, yes. Which is, I mean, I think we could all agree that pops are generally the devil. Yeah. Like those things, it's unbelievable. The, like if you just cut that out of your diet, I mean, I knew this uh, kid that I used to coach in baseball, like minor league baseball. And he was, you know, he was a little bit of a, a heavy kid and he would drink a lot of pop. Mm. And as he started to grow up, of course, he's also growing into an adult, but he cut out pop completely and the weight just fell off. Yeah. Wow. No yeah. kidding. Yeah. So that stuff can really pack it on. But um, before we get underway, I wanted to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to sit down with me. For sure. Yeah, this is a pl it's my pleasure. It's, this is awesome. Uh, happy Canada Day. Thank you. And uh, to you as well. <laughs> and, yeah. And uh, and then happy 4th of July that's coming up uh, <laughs> with you being down in the States now. Do you, yeah. do you end up celebrating both? Do you celebrate either? How does yeah, that work? So we usually celebrate both. Um, for Canada Day, I will make like a little cake with a, you know, maple leaf on it or something. Um, and then for 4th of July, we'll do a little fireworks, even though this year we won't because there, I don't know if you've heard, there's a massive heat wave in the Pacific Northwest and there's a burn ban actually in effect. So okay, I think maximum we'll do some sparklers. I feel a little weird doing um, fireworks on 4th of July, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> this seems very like um, performatively like patriotic and American. And that as a Canadian, it's like hard to do that kind of stuff. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was going to ask because the, the traditions in Canada are so much different than the States. The, the States, yeah. they do so many things in such a big fashion and forth. Definitely. No, Definitely. Right? I mean, here, Canada Day, it's like happy Canada Day. People drink and maybe wave a flag and, and have Sure. Some. You have a couple of buddies over for a barbecue. Yeah. Or like a cottage. That that would be pretty quintessential. Maybe that's maybe more of an Ontario thing, but yeah, definitely. That's what I think of. So so it feels a little awkward being down in the States when they're doing their massive celebrations? It does. So I gotta say, like Seattle in terms of the United States isn't like your uh stereotypical, like we're gonna have a parade and we're gonna like, you know, shoot off these crazy fireworks. I mean that does happen, but I think it happens just a little bit less here. Okay. Okay. Up in Seattle. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of places probably like, I don't know, I'm totally stereotyping here, but like the South, <laughs> you know, Alabama and stuff where they'll just have like fighter jets and all of this, you know, pomp. Yes. <laughs> a little silly. Yeah. No, there, I mean, Hey, it's, it's okay to be prideful. I guess it's just, yeah. it's a little bit of a shock for us because we, we are kind of conservative. We're very conservative in comparison uh -huh. to, to most of the States. I Definitely. Say. Um, and I feel like part of our identity is just not being American. Yeah. It's so true. Isn't it? Yeah. So did you struggle with that at all when you, cause you were, you were, you born, you were born in Ontario. Born and, and raised. Yep. <laughs> and then you eventually found your way to Seattle. Yeah. Um, so I moved here when I was tw uh, actually almost 10 years ago. Okay. It'll be okay. 10 years coming up this October. Oh, excellent. So okay. quite a while, <laughs> which yeah. is insane to me. Because wow. I still feel like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm an Ontario girl. Like, I'm, I'm so Canadian, you know. Uh, <laughs> I don't weirdly belong here. Like, even though when there is an Ontario license plate, I get super excited. I kind of, like, follow them around being like, where are you from? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, um, I definitely feel like people love to talk to me because people love Canadians here. You know, I get lots of questions like a lot of the a lot of the political stuff comes up almost immediately, like healthcare and um, stuff like that, like are, are more sort of left. I don't know now. I haven't been in Canada for 10 years, but mm -hmm. um, it's definitely different. That's pretty cool, though. And Seattle is is different anyways. I mean, it it's is. A I feel like Seattle is like way more like Canada, hmm. you know, um, Pretty much everybody within the city limits you meet will be supportive of like universal health care and you know benefits and more sort of a left liberal leaning you know mentality here yeah i guess that's one of the reasons why mu music has you know flourished so much down in seattle right mm -hmm. because it's just the the ability to be open and free with you know different forms of of uh you know acceptance almost to a degree do you mm -hmm. find that they're generally more acceptant there than what we would grow up in hearing about the states and being, you know, very states centric? Yes. Although in the states, it tends to be pretty tricky, especially those these last 18 months or so where I feel like the whole world has changed a lot. Um, but I do feel like I mean, I've traveled to different parts of the states and Seattle does seem very accepting, although um, I got to say that coming from Toronto, Seattle is not very diverse at all. You know, okay. it is like very largely white, um, you know, some East Asians. But, you know, I think that is also sort of a little a bit of its downfall. It seems like sort of a white liberal bubble, you know, that's like funded by the tech industry now. Um, mm. But, you know, a lot of times like that, you know, money is like money speaks. Right. So a lot of the things that happen in Seattle are just like more liberal that's it's interesting to me because i'd never been down there and when when we met finally in person last year yeah. uh we were talking about coming down there kat and i mm -hmm. were, were super excited to come down there and of course we were early on in our relationship so we weren't really at that point where we were traveling sure. you know you've get the the covid of course yeah. that that just jumps in and and has disrupted most people's lives mm -hmm. um and so that's been pushed off but we're still super excited to come down there because yeah. as we kept looking into seattle there was more and more things to come and check out like the sci-fi museum oh yeah no seattle's super cool i i love seattle as a city because of things like the sci-fi museum and like there's a wonderful public radio station kexp just the music scene in general um and then also if you're like into the natural world you drive like 20 minutes oh you're at the sea uh you drive 45 minutes oh you're on the mountains like, oh, wow. it's just such a cool, I feel so lucky to be like, I want to hike up the mountains today. And you just drive an hour and you're there. 
That's pretty like, remarkable. I want to swim in the Pacific Ocean, which maybe you do, maybe you don't. It depends <laughs> how brave you are. But um, yeah, we just live like right there. There's a sound, which is like a little inlet of seawater. And it's just so gorgeous. Surrounded by mountains, water. The weather is moderate, except for last weekend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really cool spot to be in. Um, yeah. And so how did you find yourself in Seattle, like how did you go from being born here to, to landing down there? And we're gonna get into you and, and your musical prowess and, and yeah. stuff so it actually fits in nicely. But yeah, how did you end up down there? Good question. Um, so I was in college and as a lot of people do, they take their third year and go somewhere else, go abroad. I, in my first year of college, I, I knew I wanted to take uh, a language that I didn't, I wasn't familiar with. So I speak a little Italian, I speak a little Slovak, I speak a tiny little bit of French. And so I was like, well, I don't want to do those languages. Uh, I basically was like, oh, I want to do maybe Japanese or German. And then just the German language lined up with my schedule. So I took a couple of years of German. And then for my third year abroad, I ended up in Germany. I spent the whole year in this little beautiful little town in the southwest called Freiburg and I loved it so much and haven't been back since that's that's a goal of mine to go back there um, and I was put in uh, this like student housing apartment with three other people um, one of whom was named John and we kind of got uh, you know talking and we started hanging out and you know we kind of fell in love in Germany and uh, uh, living with somebody before dating them is great because you get to know all their weird things before actually like being together with them. So anyway, John is from Oregon in the United States, which I was not as being from, you know, Ontario. I was like, I don't know what Oregon is. I don't know. Is it in the south? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I looked at it on a map and it turns out it's on the west coast. <laughs> um, yeah. And so then on our fourth year you know, he moved back to Oregon and I moved back to Toronto and, uh, you know, we kind of stayed in touch and kind of kept the long distance thing going pretty well. And then after that, we were like, well, we have something really special. Do we, you know, do we say bye or does somebody move? And so John was like, I'm going to, I'm going to come to move to Toronto. And so then it happened, you know, he did his master's and at York University in Toronto, uh, we got married <laughs> and then, um, he took a year off, did the barista thing, and then he got accepted into the University of Washington, which is in Seattle, for his PhD. And, um, you know, lots of like tears and lots of emotions, like, should I move? You know, should we, what? But, but it was such a great opportunity for him that uh, I applied for my green card, which is a different story. <laughs> um, and then we were apart for another year while I was waiting for that. And then I moved to Seattle. Oh my and God. we just stayed because, you know, I kind of built up my business here and he graduated with his PhD, got a job. We had a kid. And so <laughs> here I am. Wow. What a what a journey to go all the way like across the world and, and to yeah. find, you know, your your eventual partner and build yeah. a family with them. But it was cool because one of the things that I've always been impressed about with you is how highly you speak of Canada and how much you miss it here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and And that's I'm sure that that's common for a lot of people, but usually people just conform to their new settings. But you are very much a Canadian girl. You're I definitely am. With your family. And yeah. so I can see it every time we talk and every time you make mention of it, it's it kind of, there is a part of you that's like, oh God, I wish I could have it all and be up here and be down there. You know, for a while there, uh, uh, before this last election, uh, we were like, well, we need to have this contin contingency plan in case Trump wins again. And we were like, well, maybe we'll move back to Canada. Um, honestly, Canada is just a better place, I think. Um, yeah. Yes. there. I mean, there's a lot of pros and cons to living in the States and then a lot of pros and cons to living in Canada. But I think the pros outweigh the cons for me. What would you say are, are some of the pros, uh, pros and cons of living in Seattle, and then we'll switch over to Canada and then like kind of get an idea of your feel of the difference between the two. So like starting with um, pros and cons yeah. in Seattle? Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, I can only talk about um, Ontario versus Seattle. I, I like, I think I mentioned it before, but definitely one of the pros for me is the, the nature like the environment here. I mean, to, to be able to drive a little bit and go to the ocean and the mountains, like I said before, it was just not something I felt being landlocked in, in Ontario. I mean, 
there's lots of lakes and people have cottages and the fall colors are gorgeous, but there's really nothing like a mountain, yeah. you know, for me. Um, I would say, and, and maybe this is a pro for both places, but people are very, very, very friendly here. There's something that is famously called the Seattle freeze where it's like, you meet somebody from Seattle and they're very, very friendly, but then you could try to make plans with them and they basically ghost you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what's, that all? What's, the, what's the principle behind that? I'm not really sure. I think it's a, it's kind of known as a very passive aggressive -y sort of town where it's like, nobody really wants to speak to you, but that's really not been my experience. People here are very friendly and I actually only know a few people who are native Washingtonians. Um, everybody else is a transplant because of like the tech industry here in Seattle. It just um, it brings a lot of talent from a lot of places. So okay. it's actually quite rare to meet somebody that was born and raised in Seattle, which oh, is that's cool. Yeah, I actually thought that John was born there. No, no, he's from the state just south. Okay, interesting. Very cool. Okay, so then what what do you feel is something that draws you back to Ontario and, and things that you don't really care to, to experience again here? Um, so something that draws me back, I think um, just the, the mentality of Canadians where it's like you care for one another. And I don't mean that in a superficial way. I mean, like most people are okay with paying taxes for healthcare. And, you know, like if your neighbor breaks their leg, I'm happy uh, to, pay for their ability to have healthcare. Like, I'm, I'm gonna come back to this a lot, I feel like in the Canada and US debate, but healthcare is huge. Like, it's a huge drawback here. It's it's crazy, like, uh, people don't go to the hospital for things they need to go to, or like, for, you know, for things they need to go to the hospital for, or like you cut your finger and then two weeks later, you get a thousand dollar bill mm -hmm. in the mail, even though you have insurance. And that, that kind of stuff just doesn't happen in Canada. I mean, I remember uh, I cut my finger, went to the hospital back in Richmond Hill, and I didn't even think about it. You know, I just went and it was fine. Um, yeah, we spend a lot of time up here complaining about things like wait times yes. and taxes and all yes. of that type of stuff. And I've never lived abroad. So I've only known living in Ontario mm -hmm. with healthcare. And I've always come back to like, because oh, as a kid, I'd heard about like a friend who had an aunt and uncle lived down in Florida. She got diagnosed with cancer. They had like three houses, fancy cars, all sorts of oh, stuff. And because yep. of her battle with cancer, they basically ended up being poor. Yeah. And, and so, that is not the only time I've heard that, you know, mm. people that make three, four hundred K a year can't afford their cancer bills. And that is just wild. And it's like, and then there are people not necessarily in Seattle, but people here that would, not like what that that are absolutely opposed to universal health care with all their fiber of their being and i just do not understand that do you um, think that that comes back to that like holding on to you know the way that we do things or you know our american values and which you know definitely it's like we are independent people and we take care of ourselves and there's just not a lot of the community mentality you know, like it's very much sort of a libertarian, like, oh, well, I have my house and my family and my car and my gun, and that's all I care about. But that's not really how society works, right? No. I just not the way I want it to work either. Yeah, it's like the most selfish. Exactly. You don't want it to work like that. You, of course, you want to help your neighbor. Like, that's like a no brainer for me. Why? Why? You know? Yeah. Oh, they're taking away my, like, you know, personal freedoms. It's like, what does that even mean? Right? Yeah, it's such an interesting thing. This idea yeah. of I worked for this, so I deserve this. Nobody else should have any access to what I've worked for. Yeah. And by all means, like reap the benefits of what you've worked for. But Which I've been, I've been, sure. exactly. I mean, I've been saying for years and years, if we actually combined our efforts for most of the things that we do as a species, we would be a hell of a lot further ahead than where we are right now. Oh, definitely. And, you know, as a Canadian, this goes back to our discussion where it's like, uh, you know, that's a giant stereotype in the States, right? Like growing up in Canada, you hear all that, oh, that that's the way Americans are. And you think nobody's actually like that. That's just a stereotype, right? But like, uh, yeah, like 70 plus million people are like that, right? All of those people that voted for Trump. And, you know, I, you drive, I'm stereotyping again, but you drive like 45 minutes outside of Seattle 
into the little towns and you know there's like trump flags there's like you know get off my lawn flags it's just like it's a different world and it's scary i think it's it's uh not necessarily just stereotyping though these are your experiences this is your first-hand experience you're not sitting in your house in seattle going oh this is the way i feel the states is this is what you've actually witnessed first well that's true yeah right? It and is. we had a brief conversation when you were up here last about the whole, you know, Trump, I don't even know what you want to call it, but the Trump situation uh, as, as it was and how divisive that was. Oh, um, yeah. Our, this country is so un, unbelievably and incredibly divided right now. And it's very, very sad. I think it's very interesting, though. I, I like the fact that you talk so highly of the healthcare system, because like I said, you know, being up here whether yeah. it's called taking it for granted or not, you know, people do not speak highly of even what we have, yeah. which blows my mind. And you're experiencing both ends of it. Now. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely been in the situation, you know, back in Ontario where it's like, oh, I had a knee injury. And so my MRI was like a four months from now, but yeah. let's be clear. I did not pay a cent. And once those four months passed, I was very well taken care of. Now mm -hmm. I am convinced that if it was like a life threatening situation, of course it wouldn't be four months wait. Like people are taken care of, you know? Uh, old landlord of mine, her husband has like incredible COVID and, and um, just like is like, she almost thought she lost him. And the care that he's getting up there is is phenomenally like it's incredible like you will not be left you might be waiting a little bit but you're not it's you not know, a death sentence basically right like right, after exactly. the waiting time is not an automatic death sentence yeah and at the same time i had a lot of health care while i was here i mean i gave birth to my son in a, an american hospital and the quality of care i received here was also just amazing that's a good that's that's a great experience yeah. it is a great experience i was getting bills uh maybe a year after he was born though oh my goodness yeah because the doctors bill you the hospital bills you the labs bill you the you know oh god it's like it is a nightmare to navigate if if english isn't your even english is my first language and i was reading those bills and i'm like what is this for who do i pay i yeah. can't even imagine going through such a, a transformative experience as to bringing a life into this world and having to you know think about all the things that goes oh, yeah. with that child. And you're also like sleep deprived and you get this other bill and it's just like, what is this for? Do you know that if we didn't have insurance, uh, it would have cost about 50 grand. Just to have a child. Yeah, and I had insurance and I think we paid about six or $7,000. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I had yeah. some complications. So it wasn't like, you know, free sailing, but like even so, that that should even be more of an impetus to not have to pay me, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Wow, so, I didn't know that, like 50 grand just to have a child. Yeah, to have a child and like be in the hospital for a few days and be taken care of. Wow, that's yeah. that's that's incredible. So anytime uh, somebody's like, oh, the wait times, I'm like, no, it's okay. <laughs> Well, yeah, because that's, that's funny, right? Like, let's, let's uh, talk about the wait times, um, you know, and then like, ch like child, like giving birth to a child, you're not, there's not people giving birth to kids like out in the alleyways here because of, oh. you know, wait times or anything like sure. that. And it's like, oh, uh, we see that you need a C-section. Great. Let's wheel you in. Uh, no, <laughs> no questions asked. Like, no. Oh, hey, do you have insurance? You know, oh, God. Yeah. I mean, the worst thing that I hear that's changed over the past probably 20 years is the fact that after having a kid, they get you out really quickly. But I'm, I mean, my, you know, I've had family members that have had to stay in after afterwards as well, or go back for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. um, and although that's a headache, they yeah. didn't lose any, you know, anybody along the way, or their health didn't get uh, get impacted because they had to leave and come back. I mean, it's not a perfect system by mm -hmm. any means but i think it's workable and i would i would much prefer it than what we have here that's cool that's a really cool perspective thanks for sharing that because i had no idea that uh like it's always interesting it's always the debate you know us versus canada healthcare. you know who has yeah. it better who has it worse and um yeah that's oh i should tell you just yesterday i got a bill in the mail for uh something i had done like a dental thing in march 2020 Oh my God. That is, I don't know, six, I don't know how to do the math, but that's like more than a year ago. <laughs> oh my God. 
Yeah, so so it's just bills. So that's just a common thing. Just bills come out of nowhere. For yeah, because they have to like confer with the insurance, and then the insurance decides how much they pay for it, and then yeah, it is just a convoluted system. Wow, very interesting. So, you said you got down to the states. Um, you have done a lot of traveling. Uh, mm -hmm. You started a business. I did. Yeah. So I am a piano teacher and have my own piano studio. Very cool. Full, full right now. So nobody asked me for less. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. Um, COVID has really um, made people want to start doing hobbies and music is one of them. And I think it's wonderful. That's that's amazing. Now, this is really cool because you're younger than I am. Not that age matters, but I'm going somewhere with this. Okay. What's <laughs> uh, interesting to me is that when I first learned that you were a piano teacher, I thought to myself, and this is talk about stereotyping or just you know, <laughs> casting. I was like, but isn't that like what old people do? Yeah. Like they teach piano. <laughs> yeah. And um, but but you actually developed a business. Now you developed that business down in Seattle, or did you develop develop it here? Um, so mostly when I was doing it in Ontario, I was working for uh, music schools. Okay. Yeah, but I didn't. I had a few private students, but I was never like registered as a business. But I, when I moved here, I was like, uh, I'm not American. I should probably do everything right and buy the books. So yeah, I like registered as a business in the state of Washington and got a business license and that kind of stuff. That's amazing. So it's yeah. all private teaching. Yeah, it is. Okay. Now the obvious question out of the shoot is why become a piano teacher? Like how, how do you, cause you have a professor for a mother. Yes. And a hardworking blue collar dad who is very yeah. inquisitive. Uh, you're an only child. I am. You were, from what I understand, and I'm just kind of going off of the things that I've heard. Little birdies <laughs> have told me I've gathered information. I've got some inside track and some stuff. I, I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but you you were brought up to to respect the arts, and it was very encouraged upon you guys. You your family has an unbelievably powerful female presence uh, yeah. that I have come to learn about. And I love it because it goes from, you know, teachers to engineers and, you know, everything in between, but it's always, everything is included, you know, book learning, yes. travel, embracing everything on top of the fact that you have parents from different countries yeah. uh, on top of it. So, you know, how do you end up kind of carving your own path and becoming, you know, getting involved full-time in the arts, as opposed to going to what most people consider to be like, you know, uh, professional trades or, or whichever sure. way you might do that. That's a great question. And I mean, like, I love your kind of speaking of like outsider perspective on my family. Cause I think it's so true. I mean, growing up, I admired, Oh, hello. This is Billy, by the way. Oh, Hey Billy. <laughs> <laughs> She's a kitty. Um, yeah, I always admired the fact that, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, but my family was always interested in everything. So we would have music on all the time. And then um, my uncle, Kat's dad, was an engineer and he was incredibly smart. And like, I looked up to him and he was like, sort of the STEM person in my life, right? Where he was like a, a scientist and a, a curious person. And he would like, he knew everything about the forest and my grandparents lived kind of, they had a, a couple acres of land and we would go there and we would, you know, they knew a lot about gardening and, and beekeeping and all of this just like wonderful world perspective um, that combined like arts and sciences and like you said, everything in between. So I feel really, really fortunate to have been able to grow up there. And then, like you said, my dad is from Italy and so all of his family, he came to Canada by himself. So all of his family is still back in Italy. And I was very lucky to be able to travel there and kind of get a chance to see how they live over there. And actually, when I applied to college, I was like, so I took piano since I was three, it was just part of my life. I mean, Kat took piano, Deanna, <laughs> like Andrew took guitar, like every like music was just a thing that we did. No questions asked. Um, I just like really took to it. I was like, I guess I had like a sort of natural musical ability and it was just always part of my life. I was always listening to music. Um, and in, when I applied for college, I actually applied for like the sciences. Um, and then for at York University, I applied for music. And I don't know, my dad has always said, just follow your heart, follow your heart. It doesn't matter. And I so appreciate him saying that. And I 
so respect that. And I want to impart some of that onto my own kid, you know, but when time came to sign the papers, I was like, I think I want to do music. I think that's what I love. And so I went to school for music and, you know, just kind of to make some money, I started teaching piano when I was 16. I don't know why they hired me because I was like, didn't have any idea what I was doing. Those first, like that first year, I really hope those kids learn something because man, <laughs> Uh, I had no see if idea. we could dig some of those kids up that would be awesome to see oh my god I'm so curious because <laughs> now, now they're probably like uh in their late 20s or something <laughs> uh but yeah like I, I I was hired at this music school and the guy was like here's the book that we use like five minutes before my first lesson and I was like okay <laughs> and I just won it basically and um now I guess I've been doing it for 20 years and I've learned some stuff along the way that's outstanding. Uh, yeah, I mean, part of it, part, I think I love being a music teacher, a piano teacher, a private piano teacher, I guess I should say, is that, first of all, music is, I think, one of our greatest achievements as like a human race. It is so powerful. And it's just really, if you really boil it down, it's just a sequence of sounds. Like, why do those sounds affect us so greatly? Um, and then more of a sort of a practical thing is I love getting to know families over a long period of time. One of my students I still have today in Seattle. She was my first student almost 10 years ago. Very cool. Yes. And I've seen her grow. We've gotten to know the family. We travel to Italy with them. Oh my God, really? Yeah. So oh, that's so cool. I love that about like if you're a school teacher, it's like, okay, you get the kids for a year, maybe two. And then it's just like a whole new set of kids every year. But um, I feel really, really connected to all the families. And I just really enjoy getting to know them all. That's amazing. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't know that you could get that involved, you know, on that. I never really considered that, right? Like I said, the only people that I've ever heard of that have been taking piano lessons are like, yeah, it's just something that I'm trying. And they kind of go in, they do their thing, and they, they kind of get out. Oh, no. And that happens all the time as well. Sure. But, you know, I do still make friends with the parents or I actually have a lot of adult students who I love dearly and immensely. I love adult learners. Um, that's a whole other thing though. I would have all adult students. Oh yeah. I was going to, I was curious to know the difference between training kids and teaching kids or teaching adults. Sure. So a lot of the kids, it's like they're there because uh, you know, their parents think that that's a something that they should do. You know, I'm not, I don't have anybody. I don't think right now that's, being forced to do <laughs> maybe one or two like just don't really like it yeah. uh, but I'm lucky right now that my my students for the most part I feel like I hope enjoy their lessons <laughs> um but yeah but adults it's like well first of all uh practically speaking it's their own dime right True. and uh here in Seattle services are not cheap so you come and you pay for it and if you pay that much money and then you have to um, have a piano at home or some kind of instrument, a keyboard, you know, it's an investment. So I think from the purely fiscal, um, perspective, okay. Yeah. You want to get the most out of it. Right. Yeah. Um, and sure. then also like I have people, I have adults who are beginners and I am a firm believer that everyone must be a beginner at something at most points in their life. I think it's such a valuable thing to experience because we get so, I don't know, jaded or like routine oriented. And then there's no spark. But like being a beginner at something is so special yeah. and such a cool feeling. Um, and then I have those adults who like took piano for 10 years when they were a kid, sort of didn't really like it, but then are like, actually, no, I want to do this again. And that's very cool as well. That's, uh, that's, that's pretty awesome. Now, from being somebody who obviously grew up learning piano and being in that position, uh, you know, it's always depicted in shows and movies that kids are forced, like you said, yeah. so I'm kind of, it's, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Being the student and then being the teacher, does it give you more of an appreciation of what those kids are kind of thinking and, and feeling? Because you were teaching at a young age, so it's not yeah. like you are that person who is in retirement teaching. You were actually teaching wow. when you were a kid yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like being a younger teacher, maybe not, I can't say that as much now, but, um, you know, if you're close in age to your students, it's like you kind of, you know, what's going on in their life, because you just kind of went through the same thing. So it, it was nice uh, at that, at that point in my, I guess I could call it my career, to be close to in age to them. Um, but also, I just feel like right now, I just know so much more. And I'm able to basically individualize my lessons for everybody, you know, oh. 
That's 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 that time in right as a professional that ten thousand hour uh, thing that they yeah. always talk about, right? Totally. And I actually credit that with my dad because my dad is an incredible people person, and I like grew up watching him interact with people in really special ways. And so I feel like I kind of you know I know how to talk to different people in different ways, and that really helps with the piano lessons because it's like I'm not going to force people to learn classical music if they don't want to. Like that is not my style of teaching. You know, if somebody's like, oh, I want to learn, you know, whatever, Moana. Cool, let's do it. Whatever. So, so then you just teach different styles, different types? Yeah, actually, that student I was mentioning that I've had for 10 years, she has literally uh, learned piano via soundtrack music. So it's like, oh, now we're doing Lord of the Rings. Oh, now we're doing Harry Potter. Now we're doing, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, now she's into K-pop. So we're doing that. So. Oh, wow. But she's That's actually cool. gained an incredible amount of skill just by going her own way. And I feel like I'm happy to be able to support that in any way that I can, while I she's still able to learn. I think that that shows a great versatility for you as a teacher not to be so rigid that no, you got to get the me metronome, right? That's that's what it's called. The, just, <laughs> I am a big fan of the metronome, though. No, for sure. For <laughs> sure. But I, you know, you always kind of picture these, uh, these teachers that get the metronome and it's like, you know, wrapping them on the hands if they kind of get off track or, you know, where that comes from where it's like oh, I don't want to go to the I don't want to go to my piano lesson I don't like it I don't like the music I'm playing I and it's just like for me my philosophy is like if you if you don't like the music you're playing first of all let's try something else or like why are you doing it you know I ask everybody do you want to be doing this and do you love music Good that question. is so important to me right yeah absolutely if you're they're not gonna if they're not engaged they're not going to stick it out for any stretch of time yeah exactly that's really cool. You've now you mentioned your dad, and I can definitely attest to his people skills. Yeah. Uh, he's he's a remarkable pe uh, people person. So yeah, how how does that like growing up in the house with a, a professor as a mother, and you know, a really like your dad is a self made person. I, I've had conversations with him about his upbringing and coming over to Canada, and Kat and I have talked at great length about how crazy it must be coming over to a new country, not knowing the language or the people. It's insane. I always, sometimes I step back and I like that passes through my mind, and I'm just like, how do you do that? You come out, you like land in a place, you get off the plane, and you have no idea what anybody is saying. You have to find a job, you have to, I mean, he had a few friends who he stayed with at first, but you know, how do you find a job? How do you, how do you learn the language? Mm -hmm. And, and he was like 20, 21, like that's, that's a sensitive time. It's a hard time. You're figuring out who you are, man, pretty crazy. At that time in history too. I mean, coming up here, I mean, my family is Italian. Uh, coming up here, you know, Italians, even though they had uh, very, very strong roles in creating what it is we enjoy today with, you know, a lot of the infrastructure, they were not necessarily treated with the respect that the other people that were here were treated with. So to have to go through that as well had to be difficult. Definitely. Um, yeah, you know, and I, I often want to talk to him about that, but I like, He's never mentioned anything like that. So maybe that's mm -hmm. a conversation I should probably have with him at some point. That'd be pretty cool. I, you know, he seems to be pretty open. I mean, obviously I'm not his daughter, but I mean, I, you guys share a pretty special bond. I, I can tell from the way he speaks about you. I mean, my God, when we went over there, that's all he kept talking about was you and Nico and John, the whole family. And like, I just said to Kat, I'm like, this man needs his family here. This is ridiculous, right? Like yeah. he, um, so it's, it's cool to see that from an outsider's perspective, just coming in, but then you've got on the other end of the spectrum, your mom, mm -hmm. right. And your mom is an equally amazing person, uh, prior guest on the show, of course, and her and I've had some amazing conversations. And, and when I look at her and you, I think to myself, not necessarily polar opposites, but like, it's like, she's, you know, a professor over here teaching linguistics and you're a teacher teaching the arts. And for me, I'm like, how the hell does that even work? And like, what, what happens there? Is there motivation and, and inspiration that you draw from her or how does she? I mean, I grew up in a house where like education and academics were like very valued um, and not, not academics in the sort of like formal sense, but just like natural curiosity and inquisitiveness. Like it was always, always supported in my, uh, here, here's an example. Um, so when I was like a really little, I don't know, three or four or five, um, I said, hey mom, when I play this note on the piano, I see a color. I feel like a lot of people would have been like, nah, you're silly. 
you know, that's just like, like a kid thing, right? But she was like, really? And so she was asking me questions about it. And then actually, it turns out that I have synesthesia, where it's like, well, I hear sounds, or like I hear sounds, and the sounds are associated with colors. But I'm, I'm fairly convinced that if she had like shot that down or like talked negatively about that, I wouldn't have necessarily known later in life that that was a thing. And that's what I'm talking about, the natural like question asking and, and curiosity that I feel like is very part of her and her side of the family that I'm always so thankful to have grown up around. That's so cool, man, because like, like I said, you're an arts person as a general rule based on your profession, but you're not because you have that critical thinking that's been baked into your, your person as well, which is pretty remarkable. I mean, I think critical thinking is super important in the arts as well. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I think it's just that curiosity where oftentimes I feel like as adults, we might lose it. And um, I really hope that never happens to me because the world is an amazing place with so much to discover. And I, I, I think that it's a beautiful thing. I, I totally agree. And I think that uh, with with us both being nerds as well for the sci-fi side of things and having yep. a little... I mean, uh, I don't have Kat as a cousin for no <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it's great. I mean, that's that's part of that inclusiveness, right? You can, you can be in one track for your whole life or you can find your sweet spot, which you have with music mm -hmm. and then invite in the rest of the world to complete you as a person. That's such a really great way of putting it. And now you have a golden opportunity because you have this unbelievably energy bound child. A really nice way of saying that he is very crazy. <laughs> I love it. Hey, listen, I played soccer down in the basement uh, with him for quite some time. And I mean, I, I couldn't, I don't think any adult can go toe to toe with him. Although your dad tries quite a bit, which is awesome. Your parents are pretty cool with that. But you have an opportunity now to transfer all the stuff that you know onto him. How does the way you grew up, and it seems like you're still really in touch with the way you grew up, which I think is amazing, like understanding how you became the person you are today. I think that thoughtfulness really, it, that awareness is unbelievably powerful as a parent. Mm -hmm. How do you find that that informs your, your choices when, when dealing with Nico and what to enroll him in and how to encourage him? Um, always. That's always in the back of my mind. Um, and I guess, I'm not sure if it's nature or nurture, but I, I'm, I, we feel really lucky because he is a naturally inquisitive child. Like he will never say no to trying new foods. Amazing. I mean, we were in Sicily and he was like nine months old and he was eating squid ink pasta. Like he just, he, he, I mean, foods is one example like of his whole life where he loves to try new things. And I've, I've rarely ever heard him be like, I don't want to do that. No, nah, I don't want to do that. He's always, he's always on board for things. And that's actually something that I look at him and I admire him for. Cause I'm that, that, that sparks that joy of curiosity in me all over again. Because it's cool to see somebody actually being really joyous about new experiences. That's such a great way of putting it. And and I think it's so cool because my generation and below, right? Like my generation and younger, they seem to be really embracing the idea that as an adult, you can still have childlike tendencies. You can have that wonder and that amazement and be curious. And like you were saying earlier about learning new things, like, oh my God, like when I learn something, you can ask Kat. Like I run around here like a child sometimes. Like, oh my God, did you know this? Now I forget it very quickly and she reminds me later, but <laughs> I think it's so cool that you have the opportunity to f almost feed off of each other. Yeah, definitely. And I'm like, like I said, I'm thankful that he does have that personality. You know, yeah. I was very shy as a kid, but he's not. He will just like talk. I went to take him to the hair a haircut place and he was just chatting with the barber the whole time. I was like, that was something I would have never done. And as a six-year-old, hell no. No way. <laughs> that's amazing. That's that's really cool. Um I'm going to wrap up in a, in a minute so mm -hmm. I can respect your time because I know you have teaching to do. Yes. Uh, but one of the things I was curious about is uh, musical inspirations uh, for you because I didn't know what type of piano you taught. I didn't know if it was just classical, but it sounds like you're willing to go with the flow, which is unbelievable. I love um, jazz and blues and all that kind of stuff also. Oh, that's so cool. So then what, then what are some of your inspirations? What are, what are like when you are not teaching, and mm -hmm. you jump on the piano because you want to chill out. What are you playing? 
great question. Um, a lot of it has to do with like what season we're in, what mood we're in. But um, to further like discussion, I actually take both jazz piano lessons and classical piano lessons. Oh, okay. So you're still taking lessons currently. I am. Yes. Oh, that's amazing. How, now, how so? How, first of all, how different are they? Because I have no no clue. Oh, super different. So I started taking. So I had a classical music upbringing, um, which is like okay, you play all of the you know great composers like Mozart, Beethoven, and it's like all about technique and you know memory and that kind of stuff. Um, but then I was like, I really want to know how to play jazz piano because jazz piano is complete opposite. It's a lot of improvisation and being able to play in a group and just thinking like on the fly, which is a skill that I uh, want to hone and get better at because that's something I was never good at. Um, and so I've been doing that for several years and I have improved a lot. <laughs> so that's Amazing. good. Um, still have a long way to go. But, um, but then just this past November, I'm like, you know what? Uh, I want to find a teacher who can actually help me you know, when you're like, let's say 95% good at something to get those last 5% is like a lifelong, you know, commitment and dream. It's not that I want to be, I just want to be the best I can possibly be. Mm. And um, I know that having the correct guidance will help me. So I found an amazing teacher. He's the best. Um, and so I have been really inspired the last few months to actually sit down and practice. So anywhere between like sometimes sometimes I feel like I'll play like oh, I just want to play this blues tune because it's like that's just the way I feel right now. And then sometimes I'll like pick up a really kind of technically challenging like list or Chopin piece. And I'm like, I really want to sit down and work on this and memorize it and really kind of bring my playing to the next level. So it really depends. That's that's pretty remarkable, especially something somebody who's been teaching for 10 years year, and you're still learning yourself. Is, is there an end goal or is the goal just to continue to grow? That is absolutely the goal, to continue to grow. I mean, there's so much music out there that I want to play and I'm never going to play it all and I'm never going to get tired of it. And yeah. I, I love it because, I mean, I think personally that 5% that you're talking about, that last 5%, that's the unattainable yeah. But that's the space. That's the space where you're probably doing a lot of your growth and and discovery. Exactly. It's yeah. so crazy because that last five percent is almost the same growth as the first ninety five percent. Oh yes. Okay. Oh my God. What a cool way of looking at that. That's amazing. I, I mean, I have to say that your students are very lucky to have somebody who has an open mind that you do because I think that you could teach the basics and that would be very helpful for people. Uh, you can remind the older people of their basics that they learned years and years ago, but you're you're just going with the flow and trying to figure out exactly what works best for them and and in the same time keeping it entertaining for yourself, it seems. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's that's so important. You gotta keep it fresh for yourself. Um, but you know, you have to also respect that everybody has their own journey, but you also want to make sure that they learn something and then they learn it well and they have fun learning it. And that's kind of what I want. Okay, last question for you. Yeah. And then I let you go. In terms of the arts, it's always talked about, you alluded to it earlier, that parents like to enroll their kids in, in the arts because it's, uh, it's known to be good for them, it's beneficial for their brain, their growth, coordination. Now, being somebody who did obviously learn this and now is teaching others, how valuable do you think it is, maybe not even just for kids based on this conversation, but how oh, valuable do you think it is? for kids. Okay. Uh, every single person. Um, I think music is really, really important for, I mean, when you're little, you know, hand-eye coordination, just like physical things like that, fine motor skills, but even outside of the physical, it's really, really amazing for your cognitive development. I mean, imagine you hit a key on the piano. That's like, you have to, your brain has to send a signal to the physical thing to happen, but then you have 10 fingers that are playing completely wildly different things at the right time and maybe throw in your foot there with the pedal that's an extra limb it's like to imagine what your brain is doing while you are trying to coordinate this thing in an organized way is um yeah that's why a lot of um adult students will take lessons because it has been proven to help memory issues um cognitive issues like physical issues so has that been your experience personally i think so for sure i mean I tell everybody like not every not every kid's going to grow up to be, you know, like a virtuoso, but the the neurological benefits they get when doing it, when taking piano lessons are going to help them for the rest of their lives, musically or not. 
yeah, the coordination can transfer it over into so many different areas of yeah, life. And it's like it will open your brain to like mathematical concepts and even just being able to memorize a piece of music. I like the fact I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, that's that's all I kind of wanted to pick your brain on uh, for now. I yeah. wanted to get an idea of kind of where you came from and where you are now and where you see yourself going. And uh, I think it, it really opened my eyes to more of who you are as a person, which is is cool. cool. Obviously, with the pandemic being what it is, and even location, um, mm -hmm. I find this a good opportunity to really get to know Kat's family. <laughs> and actually, I was going to say, like, Kat is one of the most special people in my life. Oh. like hands down so whoever she uh, loves i feel like i also want to really love in my own way so thank you for this too like it was nice it was nice to chat with you hey i i appreciate you saying that um and i just want to go on record as saying that was complete, completely unprompted that you mentioned cat uh, because she was like, don't get her to talk about me. I'm like, I'm not going to get her to talk about you. This is about Josie. So well, you said that. I looked up to her like in an incredible way when I was a little kid. She's... She was inspiring to me also. Because she's, oh. I mean, you know, <laughs> she's mm -hmm. an amazing human being. So That she is. But the funny thing is, is that I've heard her say a lot of the same things about you that you are now saying about her. So I know the bond that you guys share is is tremendous. And to be able to sit down with you, just you and I, one-on-one, -on -one, nobody running around, you know, nobody, <laughs> you know, any of that kind of stuff is is amazing because now I feel like I know you a little bit more. And I mean, I was excited to come and spend time with you and John, and I'm still excited to actually meet John. Yeah. Uh, so I can't wait until we get a chance to do that. And we will do that before long, which is going to be awesome. So with him. he's got some uh, really cool things to say about linguistics and software development and living in Seattle, for sure. Put, put the bug in his ear because I mean, based on what I've already known of him, I want him on as a guest because he's cool. going to have some things in there that I would love to know about. I don't even pretend to know about. So <laughs> absolutely. But that being said, thank you very much again, Josie, for sitting down with me. Well, the pleasure was all mine. This was very fun. Thank you so much.